0: Welcome to the latest Placetech podcast with me, Paul Unger, Editor of Placetech. Today I'm joined by Jim Eaton-Terry, Chief Technology Officer at Quintane, the developer with a large built-to-rent pipeline and best known for Wembley Park in London, 85 acres around the UK's National Stadium, with consent for 8,500 built-to-rent homes plus commercial uses. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Nice to be here. And uh, yeah, so Quintain's first CTO. Um, how did that come about? How did you meet the company and uh, get the job?
1: Uh, well, I, I met the company through, as usual, through a recruiter. I've, I've been doing various consulting roles for the last five years. So I wasn't really looking for a permanent job. But when, first of all, when it was described and then when I met the guys at Quintain, it seemed like, such an interesting set of different challenges that it was something I couldn't turn down. Fantastic, and,
0: and tell us about your, your background then. You, you say you've worked in various um, roles and done some consultancy. Any brands yeah. that people would be familiar with?
1: Yeah, so my I started out, I spent nine or 10 years as various different technology roles at Flybe as we grew rather than as we shrank so from it's one of those businesses where i joined when Flybe was very small as a project manager business analyst and left eight left nine years later as head of technology and product for europe during which we went through the ipo we took over a couple of other airlines we did a a lot of different things and it learned a lot there i then spent uh, three years at Clark shoes in various different technology roles so we established a mobile development team, building apps, mostly for our own staff, but also for, for um, customers. And then since then I've been independent as a consultant. So spent a couple of years working for premier in on their property management solution, then spent 2019 working with the collective on their technology for opening their flagship co-living building in London. And then on their overall tech delivery process, I suppose, before Leaving there end of 2019 to go back to Flybe, um, I was asked to go and run the launch of Virgin Connect, which was Flybe's rebirth as a Virgin branded regional airline, which lasted until COVID. At which point I was back in the market, as I say, for a for another consulting role, but then Quinten came along, and I decided to go with that.
0: And and, and what were those um, discussions? Uh, focusing on when you were talking to to Quintain about the the role of um, taking CTO as a big developer I, like I that? Think, I think I think really they were about
1: trying to feel, I, I genuinely think trying to feel out what, what a board level technology person would do. I think Quintain's got a history of investing in technology and a real interest in how technology can help both the business but also the estate and the residents. Um, work together better and were trying to understand how you could turn that from a set of things we've bought into a strategy for how we use them and run them and how we get best value out of them. So my conversations, once they went beyond the initial meetings, were, were really all about well, what would what would a technology strategy look like and what how do you then translate that into delivery in a context of... A business that's primarily focused in its in in its core on developing and and creating great places to live, and then is in the process of pivoting into operating great places to live, which is a very different mindset and needs a different approach to what well, everything.
0: And, and and what was your answer then? What was your pitch about that well, technology my, strategy? My,
1: my pitch was that there isn't it was really was really there isn't such a thing as technology strategy. Um I try very hard never to use the term. As far as I'm concerned, we have a we have a commercial and a business strategy, we have a product strategy, and technology is what helps us deliver that and threads all the way through it. So I I'm very wary of creating technology strategy on its own because it tends to either be something people do because they just like playing with stuff or it, it doesn't it can get very divorced from what we're actually trying to achieve as a business. So for me, the technology strategy is just another way of looking at Quintain's overall strategy, which, okay. and, and so... is, which is, is one of those ways of not answering a question in an interview that sometimes you get away with.
0: You <laughs> seem to, seem to uh, convince them. So um, four months in, is that right, October? Yeah,
1: just finished for month four, so I started beginning of October.
0: And uh, how's it going so far? It's obviously very early days, but um, the, the noises and the, the, the reception. Well, I mean, it, it's going, I
1: mean, I'm absolutely loving it. It's a, I mean, a leaving everything else aside, starting a new role and a role which is all around the built environment and a physical place in the context that you can't actually go to the physical place is, very, is, is really interesting. I mean, I was, I'm very glad I managed to get, I think four visits to the estate before I was unable to get up there um so at least i got to look around and and see more than a vr image of the of the buildings and the estate but in terms of the role and the company it's everything i was hoping it would be it's we're we're at a really interesting pivot point between as i say moving from purely developing into operation we we've got a lot of different areas of the business we need to industrialize over the next year or two because we're going from 2,000 to to six or eight thousand apartments open, we therefore need to be able to scale all of our processes without having to scale our cost base at the same time. So it's a really been a really really good experience so far.
0: And 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 talk us through that that scaling. Um, what's the the sort of the goal, the ambition, and then how do you break that down into to priority? That you're, you're you're tackling first. Sure. Well, I mean, if again, if you go back to our
1: overall overall strategy and the the objectives are kind of ob, kind of obvious. We need to be really good at building. We need to be really good at filling buildings, whether those are the residential units or the retail units or our commercial units. And then we need to operate those profitably and sustainably. So, if you think about those things, you then get to how do, what does our resident what does our resident engagement pipeline look like and how can we use technology to be more efficient about making sure people know about Wembley Park making sure people want to live here and then once they've made that decision flowing them through through the tour process through the leasing process as effectively as possible Um, so that technology pipe is one that I'm spending a lot of time on and then the underlying infrastructure of the estate so we're very lucky we have our own in-house isp we have our own ability to to do everything from laying our own cable to provisioning our own service when it comes to broadband for our residents and network for our tenants and again putting getting that onto a footing where it can cope with the ever-increasing size and demand in Wembley Park is are the kind of the two most important things for me right now Um, particularly with the with the latter having gone from an, a world where you assume that people aren't using their network all day, every day, very, very quickly to where everybody is, has brought its scaling issues on top of the obvious, we're just growing the estate.
0: Yeah, so, so when it comes to um, the, the tech that you will use for, whether it's on the property management side, the, no. the, the sales and, and letting side, um, you mentioned there that you've got your own fiber business um, does that mean that it would be a sort of build it yourself in-house approach, or do you buy in or outsource as well?
1: We take the. I mean, I think we take the decision case by case. Um, for me, it comes down to. I think of it as about how much do you how much do you want to differentiate using this service? Um, so the the fiber network is slightly different because it's in, it's part of our infrastructure and there is a real competitive advantage in having a converged infrastructure, all of our own, from the fact that it means we only need to run cable once through to the fact that we can create experiences that are seamless around the estate. Um, Everything else, really, we take the, my view and the philosophy we're moving towards is, if we need to differentiate ourselves by being unique in a process, we should probably build it. So if you look at the way we engage with our residents Um, And our pipeline, we use Salesforce so we can build a customer pipeline that works really, really flexibly, and we can configure that however we want. We have our own um, web and app experiences, both of which I think for the foreseeable future, we're going to keep control of, because again, it's always easier for, it's better for us to be able to control. Whereas if you look into some of the more generic process, there is no benefit to me in being able to customise the way I do referencing for a, for a resident and the way I set up their tenancy agreement and the way I charge them for their rent. So at the moment we're looking at how we industrialise those things and the answer is potentially to be going to be more of that. We find we find other solutions to 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 manage them because other people can do it better and it's expensive to build build solutions ourselves. So we need to we need to focus on not reinventing the wheel looking for the areas that let us differentiate
0: ourselves yeah and and from what you you understand um, uh, your your time in the property industry so far is that um, industrialization um, a, a big departure from the way things are normally developed and run well
1: i mean as my
0: as i when i talk
1: you through this is my second role in property so i don't want to hold forth too much about and say, in the real estate industry, it's like this. But I think the pivot I talked about at the beginning from being a developer to being an operator in a development world, I think it's all about how you, how you specify what you're putting into each individual plot to make it something that is really good to sell and really good for whoever takes it on to operate. And you can do that plot by plot. And if you learn in the first, in one project, something which helps you deliver a better solution in the second project, there's nothing but upside to doing it that way. So you can generally, you can be very, very reliant on your partners, your um, consultants to give you the best of breed each time. If you're an operator, Mm -hmm. that kind of thinking is something you can't outsource because if if we decide to put a different solution for access control, each time we build a new plot well that's great and maybe the plot we open in 2024 will have a better access control solution than the plot we opened in 2020 but if i'm now operating an app which needs me to be able to open the doors in every estate that creates me an integration problem and a consistency problem so for me it becomes around understanding what the standards are understanding which of them you're willing to retrofit into old buildings and maybe where you can do that without adding much cost. And also in defining the physical physical fabric of the building in a way that's flexible enough that if we decide two, three years down the road that we've got a better approach to tracking visitors around the outlet mall, I don't have to put in a load new in- infrastructure to do, to do that. I can just layer layer cheaper sensors on top of it. So it's all that stuff is where the difference between pure development and development operations comes for me.
0: Okay, and in terms of um, the sort of project management of um, what you're setting out to do, what's, what's the process? Is it one thing at a time, or is it trying to do everything at once?
1: It's definitely not trying to do everything at once. Um, I think in terms of project management, we, we have, obviously we have a very mature and well-refined process for construction project management and one of the learnings, again, moving into real estate from other industries is to is that the, the phrase project manager in construction and project manager in technology and product, product are completely different roles and they mean totally different things. And it's very difficult for someone to move from one to the other. So what we're putting in place at the moment is a decision-making framework that lays out, well, how do we decide which initiatives we go after? And we do that based on a combination of classic what's the cost what's the benefit but also what can we actually put into this operation at once without breaking it and then i try and break everything down into the smallest possible increments where we can so structure everything in sprints test and measure all the usual agile things but doing that in a context where you've got buildings in play where the construction is more waterfall than anything you'd ever imagine in technology and making sure you understand how you hand off between a four year build project and a six week product development project is where the fun parts come. And we're working through that week by week, day by day.
0: Yeah, and how how hard is that? Because we're going from a sort of phase in property and technology now where we've had a lot of hype and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of theory about what could be done. And we're moving into, what I, I feel is more of a uh, a practical hands-on stage where people are buying systems and seeing how they speak to each other and how to integrate. Um, t- tell us a little bit about being in the middle of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's ever easy. I think the danger is always, and this is the learning that you can take out of other industries. The danger is always you try and do too much in one big, in one, Big project. You decide that. I think generally you you call it a digital transformation, and you lay out a three-year plan for how we're going to transform all aspects of our business through digital technology. I I don't think I've ever seen one of those work. Um, I've seen a fair number where you can kind of retrospectively make it look like they worked, but really for me it's it's about understanding what are the smallest components we can break this down into how can we get decision making into the the hands of the people who are actually doing the doing the work so another thing that i'm really we're starting to try and develop is a, a culture around around product and around innovation that really starts from the teams who are doing this work have the ideas they know what they're trying to achieve and getting away from the idea that we'll make a giant investment and re-engineer the way they do their jobs or the way they deliver their targets down to let's put the hand tools in the hands of the people who can use them and over time evolve that into the right solution has to be a better way to do this and that's what we're moving towards. But it's it's interesting and it's it's got its challenges because how you then even as simple as how you get that funded in a business that's based on building projects where the inputs are known and the outputs are known before you write the first check is a is a learning process, but it's one that Quintain and Lone Star, who own us, are up for having. So it's it's working that through, and the answer is don't commit too much until you understand the outcomes.
0: Okay. So so is there such a thing as a budget or or, or a you know, can you put a cost or a value on these things? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: I mean, as you can imagine, we, we have, and we're just developing, we're just developing the latest iteration of it. So we have a, an annualized and a three to five year business plan. And within that, there is a, an investment in technology, both an investment in technologies for building the smart neighborhood and, a te- and an investment in technology for creating the, the leasing engine that is there but really it's about well how do we use that most effectively um, because it budget in the sense of you can spend up to this much isn't as useful as how do you and how do you invest in order to get the right returns in the right way
0: yeah yeah so so talk to us a little bit about the the, the leasing engine is that um, uh, something that you're building in-house or, or, and how is that going to work i think it's a mixture of both So we through general, I mean, generally
1: we we do most of our technology through partners. We don't have a, and I'm not certainly in the short term seeking to build a large internal tech team. But if you look at the leasing journey for us, there's the we have a really we we've launched last year a really strong online leasing proposition. But we need to refine and evolve that so that we can make it easier for people to do everything. Already you can go from first here of Wembley Park to moving in, and I think the, the only time you absolutely have to see a member of our team is to show a passport. So we've already got that completely hands-off journey. We've done a lot of work on a virtual tour product, product um, over the last year, so we were in a really fortunate position when the pandemic hit that we'd put a lot of investment into a 3d model of the estate from a planning and design point of view so we have a amazing level of detail and richness in the 3d modeling of the estate when the pandemic hit it was therefore relatively simple for us to build a virtual tour product that lets our leasing agents show people around the estate show people around the buildings even show people around the individual units remotely so The next stage for that, as we move back into being physically present um, and and a higher level of physical tours, I think at the moment, we're running at about 30% of our tours are purely virtual. The rest are socially distanced physical tours. We're looking at how we can evolve that product so that it becomes a hybrid of a physical tour with some virtual elements or a self-guided tour and a virtual briefing. All those things we're, we're moving forward at the front end and then, as I talked about before, getting the, from the point someone commits for having seen the apartments to wanting to move in, how we, we're already very, very fast on going through the, re- the referencing process. We've already managed to reduce that over the last two, three years down by well over hundred percent, but we want to get it even faster. So that's about efficiencies and automation in the referencing process, in the know your customer process, in the financials, all of that stuff. We're looking at how we can automate that and speed it up, and just make it more efficient, so that we
0: can scale it. Yeah, and and when you've been looking in the market for solutions for partners, how have you um, rated the, the the products and services that that are out there? What as a a, a, a tech person with a, with a broad background from airlines to hotels. Uh, retail on the high street. Where do you th- do you think prop tech is? Um, you know, is doing is doing well, or do you still think there's uh, room? It's an it's an area with a huge amount of energy in it,
1: and there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas, there's a lot of solutions. Um, I think that in the leasing end of the journey, there we are now in a position that I don't think we were in two years ago, where there are players in the UK market who've got the experience of doing multifamily or build to rent leasing at scale from the US and also have the understandings of the nuances of the UK market so we're we're reaching a point where that's viable i think 2 or 3 years ago it was much much harder to find people who had both those things um, in the sort of physical infrastructure and the sensors and the data there is there's endless you know i could spend I sort of strictly limit myself to half a day a week of just talking to people who have cool technology and prop tech, because I could easily spend five days a week doing that. And then I wouldn't actually deliver anything we're trying to deliver. It's just just relentless, the amount of creativity in
0: the the space at the moment. Brilliant. And um, you've talked a bit about sort of moving towards the the operational way of, of, of building and running things. Do you see that, um, I mean, we hear a lot about real estate moving towards being a product and not just a sort of dry asset class, but it's about the customer experience, the end user. Um, is, is that something that is part hmm. of the, the, the way you're moving to industrialise things and build a sort of platform at scale?
1: Absolutely, and I think, I think on a residential front, by, almost by definition we have to lead the charge of some of that because we will by the time we're done with this have more directly leased units in one place than certainly ever, anyone i'm aware of in the uk so you know we are a product and resident experience company um already you know we've got well into the well over a thousand units occupied we have residents living with us and we're providing them with you know we're providing apps to to improve their experiences we're we're we are already doing that so yes i think in certainly in residential that's the case i think in i also think when you look at the commercial space there's a lot of energy around that idea of how you go direct to consumer i think in retail it gets slightly more challenging purely just on the grounds that the brand relationship is always going to be with the with the retailer but there's a lot we can do to support and help with that as an industry and i know that others are doing it and we're looking at how we can really help to drive that you know how do we help make our tenants more profitable in which we share there's a lot of options around that around the because we've got data they don't have we've got cons- consolidated views of what's happening around the estate that the retailers can't have so we can help with that
0: yeah absolutely and when it comes to the um, the, the operational side is that very labor intensive because when you have developers that are traders that build and sell um, that they, they might only have half a dozen or a dozen people in in the office and everything else is is outsourced um, and then they don't need to worry about the long-term maintenance of those sites is it different when you're holding in your portfolio for for years to come thousands of, of, of units and you're you're running that operational platform is, will you be able to to scale without needing to scale a huge workforce as well
1: to an extent and it's one of the one of the big questions i'm looking at right now is again if you look through process by process which of them could you scale without having to scale people in a linear way so i mean if you there are generally there are three categories of things when you start to scale something like this you have Process is where you can scale it and you don't really have to scale the people. So, I mean, the classic example is an app. If you've got an app, if you design your app well, you can service 2 million people as easily as you can service 200 people. You probably don't need to add anything to that. You've then got kind of linear scaling, which there's always gonna be an element of. If you look at a concierge service, or you look at maintenance to a certain extent, anything that's physical, you probably need to scale it more or less linearly if you've got two if you've got a certain number of units that need a certain number of cleaning calls a day you probably can't get away from a linear scale the dangerous ones and the ones you really want to get away from is where you get into exponential scaling so i have seen in previous businesses you'd have a finance process for example which because it was designed in a startup environment so it's designed based on people's time and generally spreadsheets classically. You get into a problem that for every one more building you open, you have to add three more people or, you, or, it, becomes, or it doubles in difficulty each time rather than being add one. And those are the things you have to deal with straight away. And one part of what I'm, what we're doing at Quintain is trying to find, and I think we're, we're in very good shape on that front whether we have any areas of complexity that drive in that exponential cost, because that is what can drown you as you try and scale. The linear things you try and minimize and you try and automate so that you can keep it down to a, down. move as much as you can towards being scalable without needing to scale your cost base. But what you can't have is an exponential cost base increase with a linear revenue base increase because that's a hiding to nothing. And it's an easy trap to get into because when you're building as we we are, if you've built a business quickly, you don't have time in the early days to make those decisions in a way, thinking about when you've got 3000 customers, cause you won't get to 3000 customers. So it's about which fires do you let burn for how long and which fires do you have to put out is the, is the trick of it. Okay. And there's no magic. It's that line by line, conversation by conversation, working it out.
0: Yeah. And, um... Clearly, uh, the, the, you you have the internal buy-in of putting um, a technology role on the board. Um, what would be your advice to other developers that are looking at um, doing doing similar similar moves um, uh, in terms of the, the the sort of internal management, getting the buy-in, um, putting tech in the right part of you know, through the business.
1: I think you need to start, and I don't think this is, by the way, limited to developers. I think this is across the board. It starts by trying to be the best customer you can be before you start having your own tech function. It starts by um by thinking about things from a product point of view and from a from a how does this fit with our strategy point of view. I think the temptation and the danger that so many businesses i've been involved with get into is that technology can solve problems and technology almost never solves a problem Techn- technology might help you deliver something you've come up with to solve a problem but you need it, it needs to start from a product or a or a commercial perspective otherwise you're going to be spending money for, for very little benefit or return so the the only advice I would give is start by making sure you have a really clear clear grasp of not only what you're trying to achieve but who within your existing team is leading that achievement and then drive technology out of that rather than trying to invest in technology to, to to make up for the fact that you haven't got the processes in place and the capability in place yourself because you'll never get there that way and I think that's the advantage Quintain have got is having thought about it both ways around we're growing both things in parallel. Fantastic
0: and, and as you look ahead um, in the next sort of 12 or 24 months um, what are some of the big opportunities and, and some of the big challenges that are facing you?
1: Um, I think the big, the big opportunity for us really is around uh, I, I think I'm using the phrase smart neighbourhood to deal with it but the big opportunities as we all move back in and as things start to get back to whatever normal looks like the opportunity is how do we use technology and how do we use data to make a reality of the idea that Qu- that um, Wembley Park is a, a neighborhood that understands and evolves with its residents that for me is the most exciting part of this so I mean we talk a lot as a lot of people in the industry do about the idea of a 15-minute city and that we're moving towards people doing more spending more of their lives in cities around the same areas and we have we have all the physical assets to make that work. You can live here, you can work here, you can spend your leisure time here in lots of different ways. But how we can use data to make that smoother is I think the, the real opportunity for me. In terms of the challenges, I think it's as I've said, we've got to get this built, we've got to get this fill filled and we've got to get this profitable. And all of those things bring pressures and challenges on a technology plan and making sure we land that is what buys me the luxury of thinking about things like 15-minute
0: cities absolutely and um, compared to the tech that you've you've seen over the last um decade or so is it getting easier to to procure technology as as after we've seen this acceleration over over the the last 12 months
1: yes i think it is i mean i think that, there are kind of two conflicting trends over the last couple of years, uh, over the last five years or so, I suppose, in technology. One is about just the basic ease of delivery has come down enormously. There's no question about that. You know, things that would have taken massive physical estate, you can do in the cloud, things that would have taken massive software development, you can almost certainly find partners who already have. So there's there's just no question that, that that, has got a lot easier. However, at the same time, the responsibility on people who are delivering technologies also got a lot greater. So whether that through legislation, whether that's through thinking about sustainability, thinking about how we act responsibly with people's data. So the temptation to move fast is greater than it ever was. The pressure to move fast is greater than it ever was, but the stakes are much higher because if you're, doing things on a, on the scale, you can now do them. You can make mistakes on an epic scale. So, and that for me is where, again, I come back down to the, the old principles about doing things as iteratively as we can, breaking them down, making sure we're really clear about how, we, how we measure success sprint by sprint and iteration by iteration. So we don't go too far before we realize we caused ourselves a problem or we missed a, you know, it's very easy to, to solve last year's problem in technology it's really really easy to do that and and again your big transformation projects historically that's the classic problem they lack they fall into and in a business that's evolving as fast as quintain needs to we don't again we don't have the luxury of a three-year roadmap that says well we'll do erp next year and then we'll do crm the year after i we, we can't think in those terms yet and i don't think anyone really can anymore
0: but a lot of people still yeah, is there anything that you've that you've seen that particularly caught your eye that excites you in that half day when you can just talk to prop tech people that have come up with cool stuff?
1: Oh yeah, lots of things. I mean, some of them, some of them, I'm not sure. I mean, from uh, there's a there's a I what have I seen lately? I've seen some some various kind of smart audio products which are just stunning that are launching. I think launching relatively soon. Um, through to some very interesting AI-based kind of conversation agents that take things beyond anything I've seen in in place, not that are used in PropTech, but also used in retail. And they've got some really interesting potential. But again, the, the question for me is, well, how do we use them in a way that makes life for our residents better, makes them more likely to want to stay with us? And how do we do that? without taking our eye off the fundamentals of delivering the business and then i suppose the other one that i'm really interested in the the thing that for me is kind of within the if you look at the whole lego kit we've got in Quinte, it's the 3d imagery and the and the bin modeling and the, the way we can tie data and visuals and models together and this is where i flip from being the kind of voice of pragmatism saying well we need to start with a business strategy to we've got this cool stuff and we've all of it we bought for very good reasons. We must be able to put something to put it all together and do something awesome with it. And I've yet to find the strategic reason to put it all together and, and do something awesome, but we will, because that for me is the most exciting thing. The fact that we we can effectively walk around the estate virtually and already we can get to, and we know what every component is in that estate and we know, we can start to learn well if we know what every component is and we know what the energy use of every component is there are there will be an art there will be a problem that that solves i just haven't found the problem yet but luckily we've invested in it for the right reasons so now it's a question of finding it so that's the one that i get tediously excited about at the moment um, yeah as opposed to the things that i i i know now what the
0: reason to do them is yeah absolutely no bim is very very compelling Um, when you see it and uh, yeah good luck finding the, the problem that justifies to uh...
1: yeah I think it's I think it's probably I mean BIM when you've tied BIM and facilities management together it gets really cool and then when you tie BIM and visualization and, and real real-time data visualization together it becomes even cooler so yeah we're we're looking at a lot of different things in that area and and hopefully we'll find if we don't find the one big thing we'll find lots of little things that drive the value out of it yeah And I get to carry on just looking at models and going,
0: ooh. Yeah, staring at it for a long time. Yeah. Okay. That's wonderful. Thank you very much for for joining us, Jim Eaton Terry from Quintain. I hope you enjoyed listening to that latest Place Tech podcast. I've been Paul Unger, editor of Place Tech, and look forward to you joining us again soon. Thank you.